A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. At that time, John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we tried to prevent him, because he does not follow us. Jesus replied, Do not prevent him. There is no one who performs a mighty deed in my name who can at the same time speak ill of me. For whoever is not against us is for us. Anyone who gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ, amen, I say to you, will surely not lose their reward. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for them if a great millstone were put around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into Gehenna, into the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two feet to be thrown into Gehenna. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Better for you to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into Gehenna, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. The Gospel of the Lord Last Sunday, when the disciples had been arguing about who was the greatest, Jesus took a child and put it among them. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. Today's gospel picks up at this point. The child is still standing inside the circle of disciples. The word welcome occurs four times in one verse, And now John wants to exclude on the basis of the exorcist not following us. Jesus corrects the us to my name and me. For Jesus, it's always an invitation to become a part of a new we. Whoever is not against us is for us. When Eldad and Medad prophesied in the camp, even though they had not gone out to the tent of meeting, Moses said, Do not stop them. Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets. Notice that the tent of meeting is not in the camp. It's outside the camp. This is an important posture for the prophetic tradition, what Richard Rohr calls the edge of the inside. The prophet, he writes, is not an outsider throwing rocks, nor a comfortable insider who defends the status quo, but one who lives precariously, with two perspectives held tightly together, the faithful insider and the critical outsider at the same time. Not ensconced safely inside, but not so far outside as to lose compassion or understanding. Like a carpenter's level, the prophet has to balance the small bubble in the glass between here and there, 
between yes and no, between loyalty and critique. We humans are constructed genetically for a kind of tribal warfare to divide the world instinctively into in-groups and out-groups, almost from infancy. For Homo sapiens, it's natural to see the world, as Rabbi Jonathan Sachs put it, as radically divided into the unimpeachably good and the irredeemably bad. It's much harder to see, as Scholzenitsyn did, even after he had been sent to the gulag by his ideological enemies, quote, that good and evil run through every human heart, end quote. As we saw in last week's lesson, Jesus uses a single word to open doors to the marginalized, whoever. There is an inclusivity here that holds off on painting lines of division, whoever. This word seeks to find friends and allies in unexpected places, whoever. Rather than taking sides against our neighbors, we are urged to take sides with God and find common ground with whoever we find there. Shortly after being elected, Pope Francis pointed out that the good every person does should be accepted. But I don't believe, Father, I'm an atheist. But do good, Francis said. We will meet one another there. If you want to practice some decisive exclusion, attend to yourself. Instead of cutting people out of the action, maybe you have some personal cutting to attend to. If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. The word that is translated causes you to sin or stumbling block is a Greek verb from which we get the word scandalize. Mark used the same word in chapter 4 in the story of the sower who went out to sow seed. Some seed landed on the footpath, some on rocky ground, some among the weeds, and finally, some fell on good earth. The disciples are the rocky ground. When they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy. But they have no root, and endure only for a while. Then, when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, they immediately fall away. They stumble. The word is used again before the Passion, now translated deserters. Jesus said to them, You will all become deserters, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though all become deserters, I will not. The injunction to sever offending limbs are hyperboles, expressing the urgency of the need to avoid the envy that comes from what one does, hand, where one goes, foot, and what one sees, eye. Jesus is trying to refocus our desire. 
Whenever you want to draw lines in order to mark who is outside the kingdom and who is inside, always remember, Jesus is on the other side of the line. Whenever we make an us and them, we are separating and dividing. Jesus' strategy to move us away from the focus on us is to redirect our eyes to the other. Remember, throughout today's entire gospel, the child is standing in the middle of the circle, embraced by Jesus. Jesus is showing us, that is, the community of the church, that the antidote to power and position is to embrace the one without status or power. On the cross, Jesus will take the place at the center of the circle. Jesus trusted that his being cut off would stop short of being ultimately cut off from God. Today is the last week of our sequential reading of the letter of James. James insists over and over again that we walk the talk, insisting that words become action. For James, faith is action. James is echoing Jesus' call to discipleship. Although we may occasionally do something that merits the applause of others, the majority of what we do are simple things, ordinary, every day. Anyone can perform them. Anyone who gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will surely not lose their reward.